2: Hello and welcome to Following On, I'm John Norman and alongside me, well, 11,000 miles away actually is former England spinner Gareth Batty. Between now and the tour of the West Indies which you can hear exclusively live on TalkSport 2 we will be bringing you a weekly cricket roundup and we have lots to discuss today. Uh, Incredibly, this may be the first time in radio history where both guests have the same nickname. First up will be Neil Manners-Manthorpe to talk about this man.
1: Edge done
0: gone. 422 for DL
2: Brilliant performance from Stain. Hits his area once again like he's done so many times throughout the career. And he gets that wicket that he's been searching for. The one that takes him top of the pops. Long live the king. And then it'll be the turn of Andrew manners Mansell to give us an Aussie view of how our English boys have been getting along in the Big Bash. All this plus six and out, where we will give the following subjects 60 seconds of our time. A rise to Alistair in defence of Mitch Marsh. What's it like to face Dale Steyn? India going 2-1 up. New Zealand becoming third in the world. And South Africa, steamroller. Sorry, Pakistan. You're listening to Following On. Bats, how are you doing, mate? Happy Christmas. Happy New Year. Uh, Christmas good for you?
3: Very good, sir. Merry Christmas to yourself. Uh, yeah, very good, thank you. Probably a little bit too much turkey and a few too many mince pies, but it's been very nice to uh, spend a bit of time with the family and, uh, and get a bit of late-night cricket
2: action on the TV. I was going to say, have you uh, managed to watch much? Because the uh, New Zealand-Sri Lanka series and the Australia-India games absolutely bang on in this time zone here in New Zealand. 11 o'clock start for the New Zealand, uh, 12.30 for the Aussie, so I get about 10 hours of constant <laughs> test cricket. And then, just when that finishes, I literally nip off. I've put the little one to bed, and then it's South Africa against Pakistan. I mean, this is this is what dreams are made of.
3: It's perfect for you. I would suggest there's a lot of people in the UK actually think it's perfect English time as well. It's in and around sort of 11 midnight uh, when it comes on. So there's a lot of people still enjoying themselves who are maybe getting in or just thinking about sitting in front of the fire after the little ones have gone to bed and chilling out and watching the first session. So it's, uh, it's been great. Our, our household has been all over it. My father's uh, going to bed very late at, uh, at the minute from watching uh, Too Much Cricket.
2: Oh Mate, I tell you what, I actually felt a bit blue on Christmas Day because you're right, it's actually the thing I look forward to most. You know, it's not the eating, the presents, the drinking, the family, the friends. It's knowing that at the end of the day when the kids are in bed and as long as you don't start drinking too early, (laughs) you can sit down and just watch, just veg out and watch um, the first session from New Zealand. And then it's all about the MCG, isn't it? Boxing Day test. Have you ever been? Have you ever been to the MCG, seen a, seen a day's play there or been to the Boxing Day Test? Not the Boxing Day Test. Uh, I've
3: played at the MCG, uh, one days and what have you. But um, no, I, I missed out. I, um, I was called in late when Jeremy Snape got injured and I missed out on the test matches and bits and bats, which a uh, bit disappointing. But um, it's pretty. you get a pretty good idea of the atmosphere sat on the edge of your couch and it's generally the men who are still up uh, charging at 12 o'clock uh, just watching the first session. Um, which uh, I mean, it's not let us down. It's been uh, it's been an incredible series, the the India uh, Australia series, and uh, and certainly this Test match has been brilliant.
2: Yeah, what were your thoughts? I mean, India. There was a lot of controversy this part of the world about the state of the MCG pitch. We remember what happened last year, Alistair Cook uh, carrying his bat throughout uh, England's innings, but in the end, it was it was a torturous affair. Um, feel, I feel still feel, sorry, for Jackson Bird, brought into the side, forced a bowl on that, and we haven't seen him since. But after a lot of criticism for two days, and India just batted and batted and batted, you know, when it came to it, Australia just did not have uh, the wherefore hour to, to go anywhere close to what England, in- India had managed to do. I've got to be honest, when we flicked on to
3: watch the first series, uh, the first session of the first uh, day, um, we were sort of looking at it going, "Plumbing heck, are they growing vegetables in this wicket? It was a weird looking thing. It had long grass uh, with a, t- a very good tinge of green and it was almost blowing in the wind. Um, and India, actually, Pajara's knock to get 100 on that surface was fantastic and they were sort of old school. They just dug in, didn't they, and just sort of made sure they got some sort of a score. Uh, to put some pressure on Australia. So, um, look, I mean, it's, uh, it's turned out um, to, w- to work for India, um, but it was attritional that first day, and I think it probably just exposed the lack of patience that Australia have from time to time. Um, and um, it was brilliant to see India g- get on top, and, well, we shall see if they uh, end up on top.
2: Mm, well, i will speak to Andrew Mansell about that a little bit later in the show, but uh, of the many notable incidents and moments that took place on cricket fields uh, across New Zealand, Australia and uh, indeed South Africa arguably uh, the biggest uh, and most impressive of them took place at Centurion. Dale Stane finally came past Sean Pollock's record as the country's leading wicket-taker with 422 victims. Uh, injuries had made us all wait a bit longer than maybe uh, Dale Stane had hoped for. Indeed, Sean Pollock was forced to carry around a bottle of champagne uh, around uh, Sri Lanka before uh, the moment finally came and stain could enjoy breaking a decade-old record. Uh, Man who's carried uh, well, not quite champagne, but certainly a small bottle of Chardonnay around Sri Lanka, uh, and has seen nearly all of uh, Stain's 422 successes is Talksport's very own Neil Manthorpe. He joins us now from uh, Cape Town. Uh, happy Christmas to you, manners. Hope you're well. Um, in, in your experience of watching Dale Steyn, I mean, w- at what point was it that you realised that South Africa had a unearthed something or someone truly special, but B? Could actually go on to break Sean pollock's record
0: uh, thanks um, john uh, it's um uh, it's still fresh in the memory actually and and I think you probably know the answer I think you, if you't if you don't recall it, you can just give Michael Vaughan a call and ask <laughs> him about that ball that that pitched middle and leg and hit the top of off um, in uh, <laughs> when, when Stain was just twenty four years old um, and that that was a moment for me. I just thought. Oh my goodness me! If he can do that again, he could he could take uh, two hundred wickets. I thought, um, but yeah, he's got four hundred and twenty-four now. And and you know what? Two years ago, when he broke his shoulder in Perth, um, he he was in a very very tiny minority of people who believed that he he could come back and and not just come back, um, but actually be back to his best and. You know, not many people believed it. Sean Pollock was actually commentating in Perth then. And remember, he was just six wickets short of the record. So it's taken him two years to take uh, the, the his next eight wickets. But P- Pollock said, you know, he it might be possible physically, but mentally, you know, he's almost 34. This was two years ago. He's now almost 36. And he said... You know, just he, the amount of work, because the, the medical prognosis was that it would be a minimum of six months just for the injury to heal, because it was a broken bone, um, that bone in the shoulder. Um, and um, so, so, you know, nobody really believed that he would have the mental resilience to go through that, and that. That amount of rehab can be very, very lonely. But he is back, and he is at his best, and he's still bowling at 145
3: kilometers an hour. It's incredible. Morning, Manners. Merry Christmas, sir. Hello, Dad. Uh, just a quickie. Dale Sten, I-, I know you live relatively close to him in Cape Town. Just, just give us a little bit of an insight into what rehab he had to go through. All this beach running you were talking about in Sri Lanka and all the extra stuff that people wouldn't really know about. They just expect it all to be physios and so on and so forth. What sort of physical stuff have you seen him have to go through in the last couple of years to get, get over the line with these final wickets?
0: painful painful to watch and you know it's funny isn't it because um most of us who haven't um made the journey of, of an elite athlete like yourself bats we have this idea that that rehab and, and physio entails going and lying on a couch and, and and being massaged um but just hours and hours of strength work in the gym you know rubber bands uh, and you know what it's like i mean it's it was Effectively, uh, uh, the same process as as a shoulder reconstruction. And and we're talking, you know, we're talking two hours in the morning, um, an hour uh, of swimming in the pool at lunchtime, and another two hours um, every afternoon or evening. And and that for six months. And, you know, it's not like there's a group of mates there. um, There might be once or twice, but they soon get pretty sick of that kind of thing. So you buy yourself and, and it's the it's resilience, you know. He's, he's had 10 seasons, well, 9 seasons in the IPL. He does, he's not doing it for the cash, you know. <laughs> there have been many times when he, uh, he'd been there g- driving in the gym, leaving behind his beloved dogs and, uh, and going to the gym for, you know, for the, not, not just the second or third day or the second or third week, but the second or third month. And, you know, thinking, they're mustering so many times, where he's thinking, I don't need to do this. What am I doing? But... He's so driven. He's so driven, and um, you know he—he's—he um, his drug is taking wickets. You know, you, you won't see him have more than a couple of beers, and any day he, he enjoys them. Um, but but that's it. You know, his his fix is is playing cricket and taking wickets at the highest level. And you can see that. I mean, he just has this kind of massive hit <laughs> head rush every single time he takes one.
2: How long are we gonna? continue to see Dale, uh, Dale Stang getting his fix because uh, South Africa after this series has got Sri Lanka there's a Cricket World Cup of course next year but you know end of 2019 is a small matter of a tour by England uh, which we'll all be part of uh, hopefully um, can you see him lasting that long? Yes
0: absolutely absolutely you know what he um, made his international debut in 2014. So it's been 14 coming up, 15 years. And in, the, in that time, and he's, so he's, he's 36 on his next birthday in three months' time. In that time, he's never, ever been out of the top three in, um, in the bleep test and uh, general uh, all round fitness. His skin folds are uh, disgracefully low. And, and I think that's actually, that's genetic. Um, because think it, mean, it's appalling. I mean, he's a steak and chips and a coke man. You know, not even coke light. Um, and, and and he's he's sort of his skin folds are like twelve percent. That will have to explain what that means. But you know, he's got he's got the he's got the he's still skinny as a little girl. And um, and he's never been out of the top three. I mean, he's he's fit, he's strong. He has a. I mean, honestly, uh, the, the the problem, the bigger problem for him is not being selected for that England tour because, you know, there's, there's Vernon Philander who didn't play at Centurion and Lungi Ngidi and Kahita Rabada is a fixture. Um, you know, Morning Orwell is retired now but South Africa have got an absolute wealth of fast bowling talent so, yeah, the, the, <laughs> you have to, have to make sure he keeps taking wickets to stay in the team.
3: Manners, in your opinion, uh, I'm not going to say how many games you've covered because I know you'd be embarrassed but it's plenty. Is Dale Steyn the best South African bowler you've ever seen?
0: Yes, yeah, and, and on the basis, um, I, I mean, you know, I, 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 I can count on the fingers of both hands probably the number of, of cricketers, batsmen and bowlers who just, I, I couldn't take my eyes off them. You know, I, I, mean, I mean, Dale Stane, I watched him take six for eight. Six for eight, not at under 11 levels um, or under seven. Is this in the back garden? In a test match. <laughs> Wow! In a test match, it was against Pakistan at the Wanderers. Uh, they were bowled out for forty-nine, and Stein just had the ball on a piece of string. He's bowling at one hundred and forty-five and monstrous um, away swingers that only swung in the last four or five yards. I mean, the <laughs> slip cordon were just having a, having a laugh. They, they, they didn't matter if they dropped any because the next one had come off the edge as well. You know, I mean, it, it just. He he's been able to do things. And, and and I must say that Alan Donald is also one of those bowlers who had me on the edge of my seat. You know, you just think, I'm not going anywhere. I'm, I don't care how much I need a pee. I am not leaving until <laughs> he's not bowling anymore.
2: Brilliant stuff. Manners, uh, really appreciate your time and look forward to seeing you in Barbados. See you soon, Manners.
0: <laughs> can't, can't wait. Cheers, that's, we're, we're All three of us will be going for a run on uh, January the
3: 21st.
1: All love it, boss. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
2: The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean, there truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer, head to visit barbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Well, Bats might do that in London, but uh, he'll be out there for the, uh, for the ODI series. Actually, you'll be getting there in Barbados as well, Bats. So, uh, manners go well. We'll speak to you soon. Um, I mean, what a, what a legend Dale Stane is. And actually, he might, he might feature in our um, next little uh, feature. Six and out, Bats. It's that time of the week again, so I hope you're ready to speak for three minutes straight. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you want to start or shall I?
3: I think we'll start with you, John. Talk me through uh, South Africa, Pakistan.
2: OK, Pakistan and South Africa, the third of a triumvirate of Boxing Day test matches taking place at Centurion. South Africa winning it by six wickets, we just heard. Del Steyn, wickets. Uh, the second wicket on day one was the one that took him past Sean Pollock. But actually, uh, we just heard from Maniz there talking about the rich stock of South African pace bowlers. Vernon Philander missing this one out. Morley Morkel, of course, recently retired. Carl Abbott, I mean, he might have still been in there if he hadn't decided to become a coal but it was Dwayne Um It looks like Olivier, but I learned his name last year when South Africa were in town. Six for 37 in the first innings. And he followed it up with a five in the second. So he took 11 wickets in the match. Uh, deserved uh, man of the match. Pakistan bowled out for 181 on day one. South Africa, 223. 190 for Pakistan. And South Africa got home relatively comfortably. 151 for four. Okay, bats. Tell me, uh, in the week that uh, Alistair Cook was made uh, a knight of the realm, what is it like playing alongside and underneath arguably England's greatest ever opener?
3: Alistair Cook, what can you say, he's achieved everything, everything in the game uh, he started his international full international career in India finished here the Kirova, both uh, Oval this year, both with uh, centuries, um, he's got 12,472 runs at an average of 45 opening the batting predominantly in England at least half of his games when the ball swings and seams around, incredible mental strength, incredible individual just a touch on the man and when he was captain, very dependable, very very dependable, reliable. Very few captains have all the team and all the squad loving you at some point because you're the man that leaves people out. I'm yet to meet somebody who doesn't speak very highly of uh, of Alistair Cook. Went through some very difficult periods as captain, uh, the KP saga, and he held he held his tongue all the way through it and did the right thing by the team and the country. So Alistair Cook, wow, what a brilliant thing to get knighted uh, at the end of your career.
2: Well done. What shall I talk about then?
3: <laughs> New Zealand Sri Lanka.
2: OK, so New Zealand-Sri Lanka, second Test match of only two. Yeah, it's one of those uh, rubbish two-Test series. Not worthy of the name, to be honest. Sri Lanka backing their way out of real trouble in the first Test match, and they had New Zealand absolutely up against it. First innings on Boxing Day, New Zealand were 64 for 6. Uh, when Tim Southie uh, hit 68 in quick time, BJ Watling, 46. It meant that New Zealand had a score on the board, 178. 178 all out and then Southie ripped out the top three, Sri Lanka looked as woeful in New Zealand as they did in Sri Lanka at times um, they were uh, in dire straits, bowled out for 104 and then Tom Latham who scored a big double ton in the first test match another big daddy 100 176 for him, 162 for Nicholls and uh, Trent Bolt uh, whipping through the Sri Lankan tail in the second innings meaning New Zealand won the series by 423 runs of the game, that is, and they're up to third in the world. Okay, uh, we've just uh, heard a little bit about uh, Dale Stain, the bowler. Well, what's it like, Gareth Batty, facing Dale Stain um, when you've had to do so in county cricket?
3: Well, Dale Stain, uh, obviously, his Test career speaks for itself uh, 424 wickets and the best strike rate um, of any Test bowler with 10,000 balls or more. Now facing him, his eyes—it's like um, well, they're like big, big planets coming at you. You can see the fear. You can see the redness that you see around Mars and all this sort of a thing. It's coming at you. You know the bloke balls at 90 miles an hour. You know he's—he's—he's he's, he's smelling blood. He's coming for you. He's got this beautiful rhythmical action. He's quick to the crease. He balls quick. He swings the ball. So it's not just the pace you've got to deal with the movement. And you know he's up for a fight. He wants to—he wants to hurt you and get you out in the same breath. Very, very difficult. Huge challenge. And this man just keeps. Coming. It's a credit to him. He's 35 years of age and he's still going in international cricket after a decade of playing. All the cricket he's played, he's played IPL, he's played county cricket, he's played international cricket. This man is an absolute great of the game.
2: Well done. That's brilliant.
3: <laughs> I panicked on that one. So I'm going to hit you with what do you reckon with Australia or India, John? Hit me with that.
2: OK, well, as you can imagine, as an England cricket fan, I did delight when the toss went India's way and they batted Australia into absolute oblivion for two full days, just about. Um, uh, India giving a debutant uh, a chance to be uh, the opener, Agarwal, uh, and he batted well, 76 for him, 42 in second innings, and really uh, the tone was set. Even Vahari, was out for eight, took 66 balls getting there, saw uh, India passed the 20-over stage, and then it was over to Pujara and Kohli. 106 for Pujara, 82 for Kohli. Even Rohit Sharma got a half century. 443 for seven was always going to be too much, but nobody saw Australia getting bowled out for 151. And even though Cummins picked up uh, a clutch of wickets, six for 33. No, that was bummer. He took uh, six for 27. Uh, Australia's target of 399 they were never going to get it and uh, they lost uh, quite late on day 5 2-1 down with just one to play and in that match Mitch Marsh who was brought back into the side uh, at the expense of the Victorian uh, Peter Hanskin was booed Gareth Batty can you believe it booed <laughs> just before he started to bowl so two questions here for your last 60 seconds uh, I want you to uh, launch something of a defence of Mitchell Marsh because, of course, Surrey tried to sign him uh, last season, but an uh, injury got in the way. And uh, what's it like to get booed on a cricket field?
3: Right, I think I think first and foremost, let's go with the what's it like to be booed. And there are two ways here. Uh, you're either it's your home team booing it or it's the opposition. I think most people, and myself included, when I went back to Worcester, they weren't very happy that I'd left to go back to Surrey for all the whatever reasons. When it's the opposition, it's not a problem. You rise to the occasion and you actually see it as a as a positive. If it's your home team, that's not happened to me, but uh, that, I, I imagine, must be pretty difficult. Mitch Marsh as a player, 30 test matches, he only averages 25 with the bat and he averages 43 with the ball, only taking 35 wickets. So you can see the frustration possibly of the Australian fans that they're not getting a lot uh, in runs and wickets out of him. The flip side of that is he's super talented and, and certainly at Surrey when we were looking at an overseas, we thought he bats, he bowls, he's a good fielder, he's a very good man, he's a good individual. We thought we were getting somebody who could you know, sort of fall into the, the pattern of maybe averaging 35 with a bat and 20 with the ball but uh, very difficult for Mitch Marsh and you feel for him
2: well you might feel for him and I'm sure that my, our next guest will feel from as well, because it's, uh, well, it really is the most wonderful time of the year, isn't it? You have to choose between three Boxing Day tests and three domestic T20 competitions the BBL, the WBBL, and the New Zealand T20 leagues all taking place. And this year, uh, the Big Bash has added interest for us English cricket fans with uh, a, uh, a selection of fine talents uh, playing their trade, mainly in Sydney, I notice. I can't think why. A man who's been keeping an eye over all of it as well as trying to find someone to take his tickets for the SCG test off him, is presenter of Aussie Cricket Podcast, Cricket Unfiltered, Andrew Mansell, and uh, delighted to have you on the show, Andrew. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about uh, Australia-India in a while, but uh, first things first, Big Bash, Um, how's it going this year, Uh, and more importantly, how are our England boys faring? Well, hi John, Uh, good to talk to
4: you again. I'm surprised it's taken you so long to call me this year with the horror year (laughs) Australia's first. (laughs) <laughs> um, but yeah, it's has sort of started slowly so far. It really kicks off in Australia after Christmas. That's when it really sort of picks up speed. Um, so it's sort of the crowds have been a little bit flat so far, but the competition's been really good. And look, you mentioned the four English players that are in Sydney. I'm based in Sydney, so I've been keeping a keen eye on um, all the players and Joe Denley's been playing for the Sydney Sixers and he's had a slightly slow start uh, to the competition. He's been given opportunities to open the bat, batting and bowl a lot but hasn't really taken them yet. But Tom Curran's been really impressive for the Sixers. Scored runs, taken wickets and uh, just looked a really good player.
3: Hi, morning, boss. Um, just a quick one on on hey how are the um, how are the English players received by the Australian fans? Because when you're over there on an international tour, you get a bit of stick, even walking down the road, let alone being in the stadium. So, how uh, how are the fans taking to the English players?
4: Oh, really well, actually. It's it's actually really good to have. You know, players like Joss Butler and Joe Root come and play in the Big Bash. There's, there's not a lot of um, overseas uh, players playing in the Big Bash this year. So to get some real quality out of England really lifts up the competition. So I think they've been really well received. And Joss Butler's just leading run scorer so far. And I think the Sydney Thunder fans have really enjoyed him opening the batting. And he's just such an impressive character. So, yeah, I think they're well received.
2: Have you been uh, surprised by Sydney Thunder? Because they've kind of been the uh, the whipping boys at times over the last few years, haven't they? But they've they've suddenly put together a pretty impressive side and Butler at the top of the order doing what we all know he can do. And if Joe Root can actually discover some of the form that we know he's capable of, they could actually be in with a chance.
4: Yeah, it's it's a long season now the Big Bash. Each team plays fourteen games and one thing is about the England players is they all head off to the West Indies for sort the of halfway through the competition. So the real the challenge for the Sydney Thunder is replacing Butler and, and Root with some real quality and I think they've got Dev Sitch coming in, the New Zealand T twenty gun. So I'm just not sure he'll be as good as Butler. So, yeah, I'm not sure about the Thunder yet. The jury's still out on them. I did notice, though, at the SCG in the latest Sydney Sixers game, Trevor Bayliss was there. So I'm sure he's been keeping an eye on all the England players. He's probably come down to Sydney for the holiday and pretty handy having the captain here and a few other tourists to the West Indies.
3: Yeah, tricky, Trev. Billis. do you reckon he's uh, he's keeping an eye on some uh, some Australian players who are not in the Test team at the minute who may be coming over for the Ashes? Is there a bit of scouting going on there? A bit of backroom knowledge? Do you think?
4: Well, if he is scouting, I'm sure he's feeling pretty good about himself the way our team's batting. <laughs> I mean, if we, we're not, if we can't score runs on our flat wickets, what are we going to do in a a, a seamer at Trent Bridge? I mean, we'll be we'll be out for 45 rather than 65. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, luck- luckily for you guys, you're not having to play at Trent Bridge, which is uh, a bit of a mystifying decision at uh, at this end. Uh, but you've uh, you've turned the uh, topic back onto the Australian national side. Um, I mean, without Steve Smith and David Warren, we don't need to go down that uh, sorry tale again. It was always going to be difficult. It's such a fragile-looking batting order, isn't it? And uh, if Hazelwood and Stark aren't absolutely firing... You know, Australia are just not going to be scoring the kind of runs that uh, that India are. Um, have you been surprised at all by how this series has panned out, or has it kind of followed a path that you expected? Yeah, look, it kind of followed a path that I expected.
4: I I hope that our bowling attack would be slightly more effective, that would and maybe keep us in the series a bit longer and make the games a bit closer. But we just haven't got the quality in the batting lineup and. With Smith and Warner, we were still struggling to fill the other spots around them. So without them, it's really just left nothing there. Kawaj is our only um, player with a test record averaging over 40. The, the rest of the players just look so out of their depth. And you know, all it takes is the ball to move a little bit and we're exposed. So, yeah, it's sort of, I've just been surprised how well the Indians have bowled. Boomer has been just outstanding, Ishant Sharma, they've just been relentless with their pressure and and we just haven't been good enough.
3: So why is it that Australia are struggling to find uh, the guys that can step up to the plate in test cricket and get the big hundreds when 15 years ago they had about 20 guys playing state cricket who couldn't get into the the test team, all averaging 45-50 coming over to county cricket and just absolutely
4: murdering it every year? Yeah, that's the million-dollar question. There's been so much debate and speculation about that. Some of the, the points that kept that keep getting brought up are that the our Sheffield Shield competition has been slightly denigrated in its treatment by the sort of high-performance unit. So we've had a few of the older players maybe drop out, and um, then there's you know been some criticism about. Uh, They're picking a lot of young players without a lot of first-class runs behind them. So when they come to test level, they're just not ready and and they've sort of ignored some older players. And then there's the T20 game. You know, the Big Bash is on now right throughout summer. So it stops the first-class competition. And right now, going into the Sydney Test, none of our first-class teams are playing. They're all playing Big Bash. So if you want to pick a batsman to replace one of the current ones, you've got to pick someone off T20 form. So the whole thing is a bit of a mess at the moment, and, and they just haven't haven't got the right personnel in the right spots.
2: Uh, Manus, thanks for your time. Um, I won't leave it so long next time. I promise, especially with the Ashes coming up next year. Uh, will you be Will you be in England by any chance?
4: Yeah, I'm planning on being there for the tail end of the World Cup and the beginning of the Ashes. So fingers crossed they head over.
2: Do you think Australia will still be there by the tail end of the World Cup? Uh you <laughs> never know. You
4: never know. We've Smith and it back, in and we have we've won five World Cups, so we do lift in the big tournaments. So, <laughs> uh, it's, look, it's unlikely at this stage. <laughs> our fifty-over team is worse than our Test side. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Mate,
2: was it, was it really only 12 months ago that I was sitting here watching Mitch Marsh score centuries after being called back into the Australia side? Uh, that bowling attack ripping through England every single day, uh, it was an absolute nightmare. So how quickly things changed. But, uh, Andrew, uh, loving your work on Cricket Unfiltered, and uh, we'll speak soon. Cheers, cheers.
3: cheers Thanks, Andrew. Cheers, Andrew. Thanks for having
2: me. That's uh, Andrew Mansell. And that uh, almost brings us to the end of the show. Uh, plans for New Year's Eve, bats?
3: Oh, very quiet with the uh, with the little one. We're going around a friend's house. With uh, we we'll put the little ones to bed, and then uh, we'll have a nice bit of food. And uh, I'm sure we'll pop a, a, a bottle of wine or two. And. Uh and probably uh, get ready for nestling to a bit of cricket the day after.
2: Good lad. Well, look, you enjoy. Uh, thanks for everything in 2018. Uh, looking forward to seeing you in Barbados uh, for the ODI series in 2019. But we will be back next week as well. We're look out, looking ahead to the West Indies side, uh, West Indies um, series with a full preview. That's uh, for next week's show. Um, we're also going to hear from a selection of the team that we're journeying out there. What they are looking forward to most, what they think will will happen and what they're packing in their suitcases but that's pretty much all we've got time for you on following on to never miss an episode be sure to subscribe either on apple podcasts or your favorite podcast app see you next week the following on podcast is proudly sponsored by barbados tourism and this is your gentle reminder that barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan